This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, do you come from a land down on, oh wait, not minute work, cells. At work, sells at work. Yes, in our trade paperback window, plus a slew of streaming news, a look at the week that was Lovecraft, Rita Repulsa, dogs and cats living together. We're going to have us a show, and you get to enjoy it without lifting so much as a finger. So join up with the only podcast that's a floor wax and a dessert topping the Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. Major Spoilers would like to remind you not to put floor wax on your dessert. Welcome to issue 1012 of the Major Spoilers Podcast, 1,012 episodes of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Rand was supposed to be with us this week. He is not, had some other things to do, but he did say, hey, the next time I come on, I'll probably have some Ookla the Mock news for all y'alls. Uh, so we uh, cannot wait for that. And speaking of news, what we got this week, Matthew? We have put him in a body bag, as Netflix always does. They've announced the next season of Cobra Kai will be the last for the series. Cobra Kai, of course, is the continuation of the adventures of Daniel LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence as they train the new era of karate kids. Uh, while, of course, you know, Pat Morita passed away. Rest in peace. While battling both old foes, old rivalries and more. Last week, the producers announced that they are giving the show an opportunity to wrap the storyline up the way that they really want it to. But there's no word on the release date of season six of Cobra Kai. Word on the street, which is uh, my way of saying Stephen told me we can probably expect a last quarter 23 or maybe early 2024. Yeah, the reason I say um, end of 2023, last quarter, September, October, November, December. So it's really uh, right. third and fourth quarter uh, is they released the teaser trailer for uh, season six as part of their big Netflix uh, thing that they had in, in this last week. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they're going to get that out this year. Uh, no word on how many episodes it is, but it's good that Netflix, you know, gave everybody a heads up and said, hey, yeah, we are going to let you guys tell your story and wrap it up however you want to. So that's a good thing. And if you're if you're into it, I watched the first season and a half and then I kind of um, lost interest in it. Uh, but, you know, apparently it's really good, especially when they moved it from YouTube over to uh, Netflix. So um, yeah. people can go check they, that out. They brought back Chosen and I'm like, they did what? They did not bring. And so the one thing that I'm very interested in to see if they will bring back uh, in this final season, because they've been able to bring back everybody except for Pat Morita, obviously. Um, right. Uh, Elizabeth Shue came back uh, a couple mm -hmm. of seasons ago. I really want to see if they can bring in the next Karate Kid 
and see if she will come in for one episode. Oh, uh, God. What is her name? Robin Lively? No. Um, yeah, I want to say it was Robin Lively. She's Blake, Blake Lively's big. No, Hillary Swank. Yeah, it's Hillary Swank, Lively. wasn't it? Same yeah. girl. Same person. No. No. Who the hell is Robin Lively? Ah, somebody you dreamed up, maybe? I don't know. Oh, no. She was the girlfriend from part three. My bad. I always get them confused. Ah, there you go. Yeah, All right. You go. Rodrigo, what you got? Hillary Swank's still acting. Oh, of uh, course. Let's see. Big Academy Award winner. Who is? Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Hillary Swank's around. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Colbert has announced he is joining the team that is adapting Roger Zelazny's Chronicles of Amber books for television. So they're adapting Chronicles of Amber. Colbert will executive produce the show with Skybound Entertainment and Vincent Newman Entertainment. The Chronicles of Amber follows the story of Corwin, who is set to awaken on Earth with no memory, but soon finds he is a prince of a royal family that has the ability to travel through different dimensions of reality called Shadows and rules over the one true world, Amber. Uh, which is a heck of a title to have. I know, right? right? The the book series has been cited as a major influence to George R. R. Martin uh, when he wrote Game of Thrones. I think the the real important thing to pay attention to this is not that Stephen Colbert is interested in this and he's super excited about being an executive producer on the series or that the Chronicles of Amber uh, influenced George R. R. Martin. I think the key thing to pay attention to here is that they're executive producing the show with Skybound Entertainment. Skybound <gasps> Entertainment, this, of course, is uh, is The Walking Dead. This is the Robert Kirkman joint, uh, the spin out from Image Comics and all things Skybound Entertainment. But what they did this week... Yeah, this week, as of today, uh, they launched a crowdfunding equity campaign on the investment platform called Republic. And they are looking to raise $75 million, which means everybody who invests through this Republic platform will own collectively 15% of the company. Uh, With that $75 million, this is what they're trying to do. They are trying to get $8.7 million for video game development projects. So that'll kind of tell you what's coming down the pipe. Uh, 9.07 million for strategic partnerships for development of anime projects. I don't know if that includes like um, Invincible Season 3. 6.75 for original TV production. Ding, ding, ding. That is probably where your Chronicles of Amber is coming from in that 6.75 million. Uh, 5.25 for executive compensation. I mean, Robert Kirkman and Stephen Colbert don't come cheap. 3.375 for investing in internal marketing capabilities and almost $2 million uh, investment for internal legal finance and human resources capabilities. Can't do all those other things unless you got your lawyers, uh, you sign in all the contracts. So if they raise less than 37 million during this uh, campaign, of course, they are not going to be able to pursue game development or the original TV series or the executive um, compensation If they exceed that number, obviously, uh, they will um, dump that money back into other things. Um, I'm guessing also including executive compensation on that as well. So that is, you know, it it sounds like and if we're trying to look at this announcement about Amber and we're looking at this announcement about trying to raise capital through this Republic campaign, it seems like those two might be closely tied to one another. Now, I can't say for sure that they are. But um, it seems like if people want to see this thing get made, they better hope that people are ponying up the the, the bucks. Um, I'm trying to look. There are some perks that you get. Do, 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 do. 
oh, it's not in this one anymore. One of the things, like if you were an investor at like uh, $1,500, you got like a shiny foil poster. And then if you ponied up like $2,500 in this, um, Mm -hmm. the thing that I read before is that you'd be invited to one of the premieres or have the option of coming to one of the premieres for one of their things. But I no longer see that in this announcement. So that may have been something someone said, hey, get this out. Uh, Either that uh, or they had a limited number of those and somebody bought them. It could be. It could be as well. Uh, So I find that very interesting. I have not read Chronicles of Amber. Matthew, have you read this? No, uh, I'm familiar with it, but I'm familiar with it in the sense that some of my big time nerd friends are into it. It's usually the same people who are into Heinlein. So Mm. I I haven't gone near it because I love the people who love Heinlein, but I'm also like, no. Yeah, Heinlein is uh, kind of problematic um, yeah. in places. Um, I Every time I hear the name Corwin or I hear about this uh, person who wakes up and they have no memory, there is a series of books. And if Carl's listening, I bet he can figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when I was like in probably sixth grade, there was a book that I read about a kid who was like a poor kid who uh, went to like a carny show or some medieval thing. And uh, they were trying to hypnotize him. So he's looking into this pot of water And all of a sudden he finds himself falling into an ocean. He is now in a fantasy world, has this adventure. And at the end of the story, he somehow is sucked back out of the fantasy world, right back to the moment that he left uh, staring down into this pot of water. And every time I hear like Corwin or I hear some of these things with Chronicles of Amber, I'm always thinking about that. But that is obviously not what this story is because I went and looked. To see if it was that's, maybe if that's the Dungeons and Dragons cartoons. It does kind of no, sound like it was yeah, no, it was a, it was a, that's, that's like a little roller coaster. Yeah, no, this is a full on book uh, and book series actually. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have purchased this as an audio book, and I don't know if it will make my 2022 reading list because my reading list is very long. But uh, yeah, maybe I'll check it out before or if this gets made into a TV series. Uh, speaking of TV series. Finally, this week, while the Expanse television series has ended at Amazon Prime, those who want more tales set in the universe don't need an expensive streaming service subscription. They only need to head to their local comic book shop. Boom Studios announced that writer Andy Diggle and artist Rubin are teaming for the Expanse Dragon Tooth, a miniseries that will fill in the missing years between the Expanse Babylon's Ashens and the Expanse uh, Persephilus Rising, uh, with the secret history of fans' favorite characters revealed for the very first time. The Expanse Dragon Tooth, for those of you who are interested, arrives in April 2023. Every time I try to watch The Expanse, I always get to the exact same spot in the series, like episode mm-hmm. 10. And I'm just like, no, sorry, I'm out. Uh, just because I, I get so bored with some of the stuff that's going on. Um, has anyone watched The Expanse? Yeah, I watched it. Have you watched mm-hmm. the entire series? Yep. Is it good? I mean, Jason Inman. Uh, just raves about this. This is like one of his favorite I, TV and book series of all time. The the thing is, is like I think the thing that makes the Expanse good is stuff that you don't like. Like mm. this, the Expanse is as, at its most interesting at the beginning when everything is difficult. Like mm-hmm. space travel is difficult and dangerous. Like the the relationship between Mars, Earth, and the Belters is difficult. Like all of that stuff, and then as it starts to get resolved, and also as like it kind of has like does like the Game of Thrones thing, where it starts out as like very low fantasy, and progressively starts introducing higher and higher fantasy concepts. It's the same thing at the Expanse. Starts out as like very uh, 
like hard sci-fi and slowly introduces a, a softening agent as you go to the point where like by the very end it's like it's like high sci-fi yeah. wackiness uh, going on all stargating yeah kind of it's 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 kind of like that um so it like i i guess it probably would get better for you because all that stuff starts to fall by the wayside when more and more like uh spooky sci-fi concepts start to get introduced mm. um yeah scott johnson is a big fan of the expanse and we talk about it all the time and he's like no really you need to just push through that first season because as soon as you hit season two it's so much better and it's like yeah but i just can't get through those final six episodes or whatever yeah, it is I, in the first season and it's yeah, just like i just can't i just have lost complete yeah. interest the the fact of the matter is is that you don't you don't actually have to watch the expanse there's mm-hmm. plenty of uh lauded television that i haven't watched because i don't fomo rodrigo to. fomo uh, uh, yeah, it, no, it's fine. The Expanse, <laughs> that, that time for being part of the Expanse fandom has kind of come and gone with the yeah. series. Yeah. Um, so now you kind of don't have to worry about it. Just oh, good. Like, uh, Do you hear that, Boom Studios? Like, I don't, yeah, I don't have to worry about <laughs> never having seen a single full episode of The Sopranos anymore. There you go. Um, but I know, that I, I guarantee you, Scott's going to go crazy uh, for this <laughs> when he hears about sure. it, because he is just all about The Expanse. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Dear listeners, you can join the conversation about these stories and more over in our Discord server. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server completely for free. Doesn't cost you anything. That's what free means, Matthew. We want to see all of our lovely, lovely listeners over there in the Discord server engaging with all of our, our great community of awesome people. There's a link in the show notes. And there's also cat gifts. What's what's the what's the thing that they're doing today? I think it's still cat gifts. For everybody that's joining, every time you join, uh, unless your name happens to be a gift like Gary or whatever, uh, apparently Gary is getting a lot of uh, love this week for joining. Hey, look, it's Gary. And then everybody's like, hello, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hi, Gary. Hello, Gary. So it's a bunch of warm, welcoming goofuses over there on the Major Spoilers (laughs) Discord server. I'm sure there's a few gallants as well, but (laughs) let's do some reviews. All right. Let's see, where are we sitting this week? Uh, Matthew, last week, Mighty Morphin Longer. Power Rangers number 104 came out. Yep. And uh, no longer Ryan Parrott writing this. How How's the series been since he left four issues ago, or technically three issues ago? Uh, three issues ago, yeah. Uh, it's uh, written by Melissa Flores, uh, art by Simona de Jean-Felix. I'm not sure if Simona de Jean-Felix is a man or a woman, but whoever it is, Simona de Jean-Felix draws a good comic uh kath lobo also on the art in this issue but here's the thing i really really liked the parrot era i have been kind of on board with mighty morphin power rangers uh the boom series since the beginning and these last couple of issues really have been exciting and they've been exciting in a way that i didn't expect because um spoilers uh at the end of 101 Somebody from the Rangers past returned. Is it Kimberly? Kimberly is currently one of the Rangers. Man, is it Rita Repulsa? It is Rita Repulsa, and she's oh, making nice. out with uh, she's making out with Zordon. No, is she making out with? She's not making out with anybody, my friend. Yeah, I could have swore she... at the end of that issue where she came back, she's like macking on uh, Zordon or uh, the guy with no skin or the guy um... with no skin is Lord Zed, her husband. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, she betrayed him and. 
maybe sort of killed him. We're not entirely sure. Oh, okay. Okay, so here's the thing. Deep cut time. I'm going to give you a little bit of Rita Repulsa 101. Rita Repulsa has a little brother named Rito Revolto. Rita Revolto is a jerk. She was married to Lord Zed, who was the Power Rangers big bad after her. And her father is Master Vile, who was a Power Rangers big bad after him. And so when you get into a Power Rangers big bad uh, thingamabobs, you get to a point where about season three, Rita actually turns into a friendly jokey character. And she's about as threatening as Goldar. And so it's like, oh, ha ha, she's silly. You know, and we have this actress going around with the pointy head and doing the thing. And yeah, ha ha ha. But um, this series has decided that all of that took place in a separate universe. And that whole schmageggy. Oh, no, 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 no. So Rita has shown that, up. That grid was shattered, in other words. Oh, yeah. Before that, even. But yes. Rita has returned and people are like, oh God, it's Rita. And she's like, call me Mistress Vile. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. And then I didn't remember until this very issue that her father is Master Vile. And in this issue, she has captured the new Green Ranger, uh, Matt, the new Green Ranger, and his Dragon Zord. And she's going somewhere to do something. And she has one ally, and that ally is Alpha-1, the first robot who was uh, Zordon's major domo. Yeah, and he was seriously, seriously angry. So um, she starts the issue by talking to the Green Ranger and, you know, as Rita is known to do, trying to corrupt him. And to do so, she tells the story of what happened after she was jettisoned into space 10 or 12 issues ago. She ended up being captured by Divatox, who was the villain after the villain, who was her father. Long story. Don't even go there. Okay, so she ends up being taken back. Her father is like, ha ha ha, I'm going to sacrifice you to evil. And she's like, oh no, my father is terrible and bad and my life is endless and I've never been good enough for my evil father. And I'm like, whoa, hang on. Are we doing like emotional character development of Rita Repulsa? And the answer is yes. And it's good. And it's really good. And we get to a point in the issue where Master Vile is like, yeah, ha ha, kill my daughter and give me ultimate power. And then something happens. And I don't know if you've ever seen where something happens. And you're just like, wow, this person both did something awesome and also doomed themselves for eternity. That sort of happens. And it's really really good i love the art in this issue um it's the thing about the power rangers series that boom has been doing is that it's got kind of a i don't want to say like a manga vibe to it but it's got a lot of the the constructions a lot of like the proportions and the facial structures that you expect if you read manga comics 10 15 years ago but it does it in a way that is really fresh and really clear. The storytelling is really clear throughout this issue. And when we get to the point where the terrible thing happens, it looks really great. And also, if you've been paying attention to the previous three pages, because foreshadowing is your clue to quality literature, it's been building to this thing happening. And you know this thing is going to happen. 
even if you don't know the Power Rangers history enough to know that literally everybody in this issue is a villain of one season or another, you know that the thing is going to happen. And that's really cool storytelling. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, I read something written by Melissa Flores and said, I'm going to start watching for her name. You should too. This is a really good issue. Four slices of meatloaf. I don't want to spoiler the end of it for two reasons. One, uh, there's a secret that I don't know yet. There's something that the writers are hiding from us that happens. And two, I'm really, really worried about Matt the Green Ranger, and I don't want to jinx it by saying something and having him end up, you know, getting Tommy. So if you say to yourself, how could you make a Power Rangers comic book and make me care about Rita and also make her terrifying? Pick this comic up. Again, Four Slices of Meatloaf, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 104. There you go. Uh, Rodrigo, it's been a while since you've done video game stuff. Yeah. And of course, well, for uh, this show. Well, yeah, sure. Of course, you're always streaming over on your show. Twitch channel and everything. Yeah. Um, you've got a, what is this, a Pokemon game? I see Fire Emblem. So that's got to be Pokemon, right? Yeah. Fire Emblem is a Pokemon game. No, it's, it's, it's a Fire Emblem game. Fire Emblem is its own franchise. Oh, but okay. You bring up an interesting uh, point. Um, so, Fire Emblem is actually a storied franchise for Nintendo. However, the first handful of Fire Emblem games never came to the United States, never got um, uh, translated or, or, or whatever. And so, it doesn't... Whereas in Japan, the characters from Fire Emblem are as well-known as Samus or Link or Mario. Um, here in the U.S., Fire Emblem has kind of had an uphill battle to to find its way. Um, up until, what, two, three years ago, when Fire Emblem Three Houses came out. Fire Emblem Three Houses just was like a bolt out of the sky, and it made Fire Emblem fans out of, like, hundreds of thousands of people that had never heard of Fire Emblem before. So, uh, just a week ago, uh, they released the new game in the series, Fire Emblem Engage. Now, each Fire Emblem game, or each main, quote-unquote, Fire Emblem game, is a completely separate story from previous ones. Um, sort of like how mo- like it, your, your big main Zelda games mm-hmm. aren't direct sequels to each other, uh, but rather fit somewhere. Fire Emblem doesn't even do that. Each Fire Emblem game takes place in a different world. So one of the things that a lot of people are running into is going into this game and realizing that a lot of the things that I like that they liked about Three Houses are gone, right? Like Fire Emblem like quadrupled its audience, but the audience didn't necessarily know what about this game, what about Three Houses was unique to Three Houses and what was like a core Fire Emblem thing, right? So, um, Fire Emblem Engage is very much a return to form for Fire Emblem. It is very focused on tactical combat, and it um, has a lot less uh, worry or or plays a lot less importance in sort of like the social interaction of characters. There aren't multiple pathways that you can pick, like in Three Houses. Uh, This is just one story that you play through. Um, and it, uh, and, and yeah, so it's, 
it's it's been interesting to see people talking about like a lot of people who are like saying oh yeah this is good this is the part that i liked about fire emblem anyway um and a lot of people who are like wait a minute you can't have tea you can't have tea anymore mm-hmm. um so yeah there's that now how do i feel about this i've been really enjoying it um for a few reasons one it the focus is on tactical combat which is what i liked about the series um there is a uh, a mechanic uh called uh, i think it's just called emblems um which uh brings back characters from previous fire emblem uh entries as like basically like force ghosts it, you know mm-hmm. it's probably the closest like the easiest way to to nerd into uh what they are um and basically, you can assign one. Each one of them is like sort of like housed in a ring. You can assign a ring to each of your troops, and your troops um, then get abilities that uh, the the uh, the emblems grant them. Um, and they can also permanently learn abilities from the emblems. So it makes it 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 really opens it up mechanically for you to experiment and to try things and to potentially build some really powerful uh units because you can mix and match abilities from different emblems as long as they've had the ring long enough to learn something from it um so i'm i'm really enjoying that i'm also somewhat enjoying the nostalgia of it when they first announced it and what it was going to be i was like oh this game is going to be all about these characters from other fire emblem games um, I'm not going to get into like the protagonist. This is not what I want, but uh, it's not. It's really not. The emblems are important to the story, but the brand new characters to this game are what the story is about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that that's out of the way, I do enjoy seeing characters like Marth, who I never played the game that he was in, but a friend of mine uh, was always very rudely playing Fire Emblem when we were like trying to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where I know Marth from, and of course Smash Brothers. Um, and just uh, the other, just like yesterday, I unlocked uh, Makaya from Path of Radiance, and I'm like, hey, this is a character from a Fire Emblem that I actually played. Um, <laughs> so is it the character that I would have put there? No, I would have put that weird cat. That weird cat boy. That's why I would have put there. <laughs> but um, that's fine. I'm not designing these games. Um, I, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think that um, aside from maybe a few issues that are sort of inherent to the series, um, I'm having a lot of fun with it. If you enjoy tactical combat, you should check it out. Um, you don't need to have played previous Fire Emblems to play it. Just know that if you're coming from Three Houses, that a lot of the social mechanics have been like very much reduced, um, and and other mechanics have have taken their place. So I'm gonna give it four and a half slices of meatloaf. Looks really good. Animations are great. Um, yeah. If you again, if you're into that sort of game, you should check it out. All right. Very cool. Uh, out this week from a Blaze Publishing, it is the fifth installment of Lovecraft Unknown Kadath, which is the adaptation of the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, uh, starring uh, uh, Randolph Carter. Um, the Dream Quest or the Dreamlands uh, saga is one of Lovecraft's longest stories, and one that I, I I'll be honest, it's it's fine. The only reason to really read it is if you like cats, uh, which Lovecraft clearly did, and uh, if you want to f- 
follow the continuing adventures of Randolph Carter, who appears in multiple uh, stories of uh, that that were written by Lovecraft. Uh, my biggest problem is that Unknown Kadath rambles a lot in a story because Randolph Carter is literally dreaming this adventure. He is in the place where dreams are, which, you know, I've been there. It's a cool place. You can do crazy things. Um, but at the same time, his quest to find Kadath is just seems like it's never going to end. Uh, you know, if you, if you are someone that looks at, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And you're like, my God, can they just shorten this journey a little bit? That's kind of what unknown Kadath is like, um, you know, from Lovecraft, what the people adapting this comic are doing. The, the writer and the uh, Florentino Flores and Guillermo Sana um, are doing in this book though, is very interesting. And I guess that's why I keep coming back to it because parts of me, I get to uh, uncomfortable parts and I'm like, Oh, I can't believe they kept that part in. And then they do things that are very, very different, which is like, okay, I guess I'm going to be still somewhat invested in this story. The bulk of this issue is the part where uh, Carter goes and vi visits uh, Karanis, I believe is how you say the, the king's name or the, the emperor's name. And he's trying to get the last bit of information that he needs to find Kadath. And the king or the emperor doesn't want to give that to him and is trying to find a number of different ways to uh, keep Carter around in, in this place in the real world. Uh, uh, Karanis has died. And so he only exists in the dream world. And so he's trying to create reasons for, for Carter to stay, stay around. And I think this is the most interesting part of this comic book adaptation. Uh, I'm going to read a, a little bit uh, here from the original text um, and see if I can find it here really quick. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. I don't see it now, but at one point, uh, he walks in and Karanis is wearing a dressing gown. Matthew, what, what is a dressing gown? It's a robe. Yeah. Pretty much a robe. They go a very different direction in this book, which is both very much in line with what happens in the dreamlands and also very much something that Lovecraft would probably be appalled by. And so I think that that's, that's very, very interesting. And, um, and then Carter goes off in his adventure. I think we have maybe one or two more issues left in this story because of just the way the things chunk out. My guess is that next issue, he will meet, uh, Naralthotep and, uh, be conned into going to Azathoth, uh, or seeing Azathoth at the end of that journey. Uh, but we'll see. It, the art is very good. I, I do like the ad adaptation that they're doing here, uh, but there's just parts of it that just feel so meandery and so out of place at times. Uh, I'm still giving this a three out of five slices of meatloaf. I think I've given that to previous installments of this uh, comic that I've read. I think it's still there. I think it's still a very uh, solid adaptation. I kind of wish and I hope that a blaze publishing goes and adapts something else of Lovecraft's, um, uh, you know, go that route. Um, but, uh, yeah, right now, three out of five slices of meatloaf. I know that a blaze has done some really cool things with some of the Robert E. Howard properties, uh, with Conan specifically. Uh, I, I don't think they can do that anymore now that, um, who is it? Dynamite? No, Titan, Titan comics has, uh, the Conan property now. 
Uh, so we'll see if they can continue to do that stuff or if they adapt other uh, Howard stuff. But I, I like what they're doing with the adaptations. If you are a fan of Pulp and you want to read the original source text to, to see how closely the comic book adaptation ties with the source text, they include the source text as backup material. So whatever the comic is covering, they also include that part of the prose text uh, with the comic as well. So you're getting kind of a two for one in that in that deal. So three and a half or three slices of meatloaf out of five. Definitely worth checking out. And if you want to find even more comic book reviews and news, make sure you head over to our website, MajorSpoilers.com. God.